This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights, Good, Bad, and Ugly, over here on the Over Under Achievers podcast uh, rivalry week is in the books. Last regular season weekend is in the books. Uh, very sad to be wrapping up college football, but there's still a lot of goodness ahead of us, including uh, conference championships next week, playoffs, things of that nature. Um, you know, by the time that you're, well, actually, by the time you listen to this, the, the, the new rankings will not be out, but there will be a, a vastly different rankings than uh, weeks previously due to a couple of uh, big shakeups here in the, uh, the what happened at the top, the way things settled this week. Uh, we're, we're here to break down all of the good, the bad, and the downright ugly from college football this week. My name is Madison. I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing very well. Uh, yesterday was a fantastic day of college football. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, some some interesting uh, interesting games, some, some shakeups. Uh, you, you, you know, it felt like the first complete day of college football from top to bottom. You had highlight games in every slate, not any letdowns, nothing like that. Um, so it, it was really an enjoyable day of football. Uh, also, you know, you said it, end of the season, you know, it, it is, it's very bittersweet. I, this week probably is my favorite week of the season. Look forward to it every year, but also know on the back end, man, I'm just going to be bummed, uh, bummed uh, about the season finishing up. It goes by quickly. And, you know, if you're uh, you know lucky enough to be one of the final few, I guess you're, uh, you, you know, your season's really just getting started. Uh, however, it is still bittersweet uh, once the season does come to an end and feast week uh, finishes. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where because we cover so much college football things, I do get tired towards the end of the season. I, I travel to most games. Um, you know, it does get to this point where it's kind of like, you know, I'm ready to kind of return to a sense of being at home, getting my life in order on the weekends instead of running around like a crazy person on Sunday nights. Um, but it is, it is also very sad to watch it uh, go away so quickly. feels like it just got here. And it'll be a it'll be a long off season. Lots to do till then. Uh, really quick from the top here. So I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention a couple of really big news pieces. I'm sure that Knox and the boys will hit on it later on this week. Um, but you know, it it literally just broke as I was driving uh, back to Atlanta from Nashville, spending time with the family up there. That uh, first of all, Billy Napier officially in as the Florida head coach. Uh, of course, he's coming from. Louisiana Lafayette, and then you've got a a kind of an interesting hire I didn't see coming. Uh, Legan Riley had been linked to LSU, and people thought maybe he'd go there. Of course, he's been linked to a bunch of pro opening. Every time there's a pro opening, they think he's going to jump ship. Uh, but instead, he is going to be named the new head coach of USC. Very interesting. Did not see that coming. Uh, definitely probably a really attractive job, don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, an interesting move for him to go from Oklahoma to USC, where he's got things really rolling in Lincoln, and now he's gone to a program that he's got to not only build up basically from the ground up. Uh, you know, they're 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 down bad now, but also people in LA don't care anymore about USC football, and it's going to be hard to get that fan base to buy back in. Um, I'd love your thoughts really quickly, Pierce, on, on not only Billy Napier but also Lincoln Riley. Yeah, boy, Billy Napier has kind of been an up and comer uh, in the South for a while now. Obviously, there were. 
the uh, stories and rumors last year that Auburn was, uh, you know, 50% of their brass was were ready to hire Billy Napier um, and, and offer him and give him the full reins. And the other 50 uh, were willing to settle, but but under one condition, and that was that they got a say in who they were going to hire as some of the assistant coaches. Um, and obviously, rightfully so, Billy Napier said, well, then I, that, that, that's no can do. So he's been a name that's been in contention for a few years now. He's, he's done great things down there at Louisiana Lafayette. Will be interesting to see how he does at Florida. I mean, you know, you got, uh, you know, you certainly only have one dog really in the fight over there at the moment. It's a pretty big, uh, pretty big dog, though, uh, and that one that could be around for a long time. And one that you share, uh, you know, fertile recruiting grounds with, but also have to go to battle with a lot. So, uh, you know, very interesting hire there. Don't think it's a bad hire, but just, you know, kind of surprised they didn't go out and, and, and at least have some names out there that were a little more flashy um, than Napier. But certainly think Napier is a, is a solid coach well, and, 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 you know, has the chance to do uh, good things down there in Gainesville. From what I hear, Pierce, a um, couple of podcasts I listen to, uh, through the through the grapevine, they have heard that uh, this was Billy Napier's A number one that he wanted, and that he's been courting this for a a minute. So, if that okay. leads any credence to why this hire was made, I think that he set out and and it was more of a him courting Florida than the other way around. And when you're the name that gets floated for every single opening, you kind of have a little bit of leverage. Um, but but yeah, to your point, it's an interesting hire as well uh, from the standpoint of. Dan Mullen was making New Year's Six Bowls every single year. Yeah, he wasn't recruiting great. I think that's what it comes down to ultimately. But he was doing okay when it comes to, uh, you know, making big bowls. And he, you know, won the SEC East last year. Um, and now you go get Louisiana Lafayette. And here's the interesting thing about Billy Napier wanting that job, Pierce, to me, is the fact that you've got LSU who wanted or, or, or seems set to hire Billy Napier. They didn't necessarily want him. A lot of a lot of their fan base was not super thrilled about that hire. Um, but and in a place like LSU, what Saban's got another three, four, five years, maybe I mean, he's pretty old. He's he's had a good run at Bama. You got to think at, at, at any year now, it's not going to be shocking when Saban finally retires. But on the flip side, you go to Florida instead, and that's the job you wanted. Where you've got Kirby Smart, who's a young, young up and not even up and coming. I mean, he's established, but you know what I'm saying? Like he's young. He's got a program that's up and coming uh, and here to stay from what it looks like. And I don't say that from a bias standpoint. I say that say that from a just you know, college football fan standpoint, I don't see Georgia going anywhere anytime soon. And now all of a sudden you've, you're going to have to not only bring Florida back up, but compete against Kirby smart, who kind of has built Tuscaloosa East. So really interesting hire there. Really interesting. hire. Yeah, the, the Billy Napier wanting to go there. Is interesting. Some, yeah, certainly. And, and then the recruiting is always kind of a toss up, you know, when you're at a smaller school like that, there's always the, you know, question, can the guy, you know, can he deliver at a big time program with the recruits? Um, so we'll, we'll certainly you know, have to wait and see about that. But here's something interesting to note. Uh, I don't know if you, you you caught this, but Billy Napier was a part of the 2015 Alabama staff, um, becomes uh, the newest head coach from that regime, mm -hmm. which includes Lane Kiffin, mm -hmm. Bo Davis, Kirby Smart, Mario Cristobal, um, Scott Cochran, Mel Tucker. I mean, tons, tons of uh, elite coaches yep. off of that one year staff. So we'll see if, if, if I, if there's one thing I know, uh, those are some pretty darn good names that have, uh, you know, really made a name for themselves and have become good, good head coaches at a high level program. So who's to say Billy Napier won't be the next. Let's get your thoughts really quickly on the Lincoln Riley thing. And then we'll move on to our good, bad and ugly. Yeah. So Lincoln Riley, that's uh that's an interesting move. Um, you know, 
I think I think the most telling thing is he he was looking out for him and and realized, boy, this move coming up to the SEC and to the SEC West is going to be a gauntlet. I'm not I'm no longer in that cushiony safe job that I that I you know am at the moment in the Big Twelve. I think he was looking out for him and realizing that he could go out and live out in LA. He has a rich you know rich recruiting grounds out there as well with not as many people to to uh, you know have to compete with. Um, from that elite level program and elite brand. So I, I think it's a good move. I mean, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. He's got to build up the respect from the fan base and 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 the desire to go to games and buy back into the program. That's certainly a, a major hurdle that he has to get over. He's got to lock down a little bit more of the state in particular, you know, getting, getting some more, uh, you know, get, building up the team from the line of scrimmage standpoint as well, um, making it just a little bit more of a complete team. But who's to say he can't do it? He's a good recruiter. It'll be interesting to see the residual effects from him leaving Oklahoma, recruits leaving Oklahoma, this, that, and the other. So uh, maybe some transfers. But I, I think it's a fine, fine move. I think it just speaks volumes about him realizing, boy, I have two bad years, my first two years in the SEC, and I could be out of here. So I think he, he was looking out for him. That's a good perspective. I didn't even think of that. Um, you know, the, the move to SEC West is certainly going to prove tough for Oklahoma already, now having to go find a new coach as well uh, when they looked poised to be the team between them and Texas to have uh, immediate success when joining the SEC West and LSU. Now two coaches that they were linked to off the drawing board. We will be interested to see who they end up hiring. Uh, let's talk about what happened here on Saturday. Pierce, some major shakeups, like we said at the top, um, my I'll jump right in. My good of the week is the team that uh, Lincoln Riley played and that's Oklahoma state. The all-time series record, and I literally had to go back and look this up because I didn't believe it when I heard it. The all-time series record was 90-18-7 going into Bedlam on Saturday. Oklahoma State, I believe, hadn't won since like 2013. Um, so it, it's been a while. This is, this is you know, when we hear the whole, you know, little brother, big brother type rivalries, this is it in its truest sense. You know, sometimes that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. This feels like big brother, little brother when you've only won 18 now 19 times in the entire time entire uh, all-time series between these two teams um we knew Oklahoma State was good we knew that their defense was was legit this year um and and they certainly they 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 proved that they didn't um allow Oklahoma to uh score even in the second half at all the only um points came in the way by the way of the safety so Oklahoma's now out. Oklahoma State now is going to rematch against Baylor. That's their only loss on the season in the Big 12 championship. If they win that, Pierce, I have no reason to believe they won't be in the playoffs. They've been, uh, you know, a little bit lower in the rankings uh, as we kind of go through. I think that's more of a, a less of a benefit of the doubt. I'm interested to see where the committee puts them here going into Saturday. I got to think they got to be at like five, um, you know, maybe maybe six behind Notre Dame. But they they have an extra game now to Im- uh, impress as opposed to Notre Dame obviously being done with their season. So uh, just really good all-around performance on them. I didn't watch a ton of this. I'm not going to lie. I was more uh, focused on the Iron Bowl. We'll hit on that here in a little bit. Uh, But all in all, Mike Gundy and company getting out there and getting a major win in Stillwater uh, in this Bedlam game. And uh, now the world is their oyster for where they might go postseason. And uh, I know that we have a friend of the podcast, uh, Summer, who's going to be super excited. I'm going to get to watch this game with her. Uh, and, and suddenly the stakes for Oklahoma State just became that much more high. So uh, really cool to uh, see that little shakeup. Uh, what's your good of the week, Pierce? Man, my good is uh, welcome back, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I mean, 
listen, this this fan base, uh, even even outside of the fan base or outside of, you know, Michigan, everybody was looking at him like he was a lame duck last year. Michigan doubles down. They 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 re-sign him for a, for an extension or they extend his his contract. Um, you know, for I think it was a pretty ridiculous contract, like five years or something like that. Um, it left it was literal head scratchers. And all he does is, and how many times, let me, how many times has Jim Harbaugh blown a, a you know, blown a, a late game lead? He did it this earlier this year against Michigan State. He did a great job of not overdoing anything, keeping keeping his players ready. Obviously, he knew they were going to come out and compete, and they're a very good football team. And then you caught a little bit of the old Harbaugh, uh, you know, he was feeling himself in, in all his post-game pressers. I mean, I think you saw the quote about Ryan day. He was asked something about Ryan day. And he said, well, you know, some people are born on third and think they've hit a triple. Ooh. So even throwing some shots out there. So Harbaugh is back feeling himself. It, it's, it's nice to have him back. He, he's a character and um, you know, that he gets over the hurdle. Finally. I mean, think about it. Just, just six months ago at the big 10 media days, he said, well, we're either going to beat Ohio State or drop, die trying. All his chips were on the table, and uh, he delivers. I mean, this team this team played very well. They played bully ball. Uh, you know, really really were able to disrupt C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, make it difficult for him, really stop the run as well. Uh, you know, Trayvon Henderson was going pretty well early, but they kind of abandoned it and just kind of thought, okay, we, we just can get so much with the quick passes that they just – they started sticking to that, and, and boy – Michigan's offense didn't look great at times, but man, they delivered in key moments with key plays. You know, just when you thought, boy, they have not attempted to throw it downfield, they hit a big pass play downfield. They had everything rolling, and and just the sheer domination running the football against uh, against this Ohio State defense and defensive line was uh, was eye opening. So, my good is Jim Harbaugh. I mean, welcome back, man. Welcome back. It's good to have you. <laughs> Obviously, that was a major hurdle for Jim Harbaugh to get over. And he was one of those that if you listen to Bragg and rights, I'm pretty sure I ragged on him hard and thought maybe one of my predictions was that we'd see him gone mid season. And uh, to go from that to not only do you finally upend Ohio state, love that quote from him, by the way. I mean, he's not wrong. Ryan day had a turnkey program and he, uh, he inherited a bit of a more of a mess there with the Wolverines, but to finally get that first win, that was a they they absolutely, to your point, played bully ball. They looked ready to go from the, uh, from the start and now they not only sit here having finally taken down their biggest rivals, they got to play Iowa, who does not look good in the Big Ten Championship. And now you're sitting there one loss, Michigan. You could be in the playoffs. Uh, just a really, really interesting and fun story to see. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at a vastly different playoff picture than we have in years past. And I, uh, I'm i here for it. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. Uh, my bat of the week, Pierce, is another team that's sitting there with one loss and hoping to make the playoffs but not if they played the way they played on Saturday, and that is Alabama. Uh, they were 19-point favorites the last time that I looked prior to kickoff uh, there as they had headed to Jordan-Hare to take on the uh, Tigers. Now, the big joke is obviously weird things happen in the Iron Bowl. You know, uh, Jordan-Hare has a little bit of that. It's not just home field advantage. It's like magic for Auburn. But Bo Nix was hurt. TJ Finley does not look good. Um, and yet... This goes to four overtimes, and Auburn really looked like they probably should have won that game uh, if it weren't for a last-minute drive from the Tide. I think they started back on their two and actually drove the entire length of the field to score and send it to overtime. Uh, and then it goes, like I said, to four overtimes before finally 
uh, Auburn fails to convert the uh, the two point conversion, which is still weird for me to get used to watching us just go straight to two point conversions. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but but yeah, if and I know that you specifically pointed out Bama's run game, Auburn didn't run the ball great either. It kind of came down to Auburn's defense really really came out uh, and really put up a performance. But yeah, Bama does not look good. They're going to have to face a Georgia defense that's the best in the nation. Again, not biased. That's that's actually statistically accurate. Um, and if they play the way they played on Saturday, Pierce, it's going to be it's going to be over before the game even starts. Um, just just not a great performance. Now that being said, we all had the family group chat pulled up, and uh, we were all texting saying if Bama loses this one, they're going to come, come out pissed off and be ready to, to, to take it out on Georgia. Again, I don't think Georgia necessarily is going to, is in a position to get pushed around in that way. Um, but, but you know, we could see a vastly different tide team next weekend. That would not surprise me if all of a sudden they came out and they just took it to Georgia. It would it really wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all because that's just the way Bama kind of seems to be playing this year. Um, that being said, not the season I think that Nick Saban wanted, especially after he was super critical of the fans last weekend um, saying, you know, or last week rather as the lead up to this game saying, you know, you guys are just unhappy with us winning. You, you expect us to blow everybody out. Yeah. Okay. Nick, I get it. I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, 19 point favorites, you go to your biggest rival and you squeak out a victory by four overtimes. You got to feel good about it, but you also got to be shaken in your boots. If you're a tied fan, that's it's ultimately just a bad performance. You squeak out the win, but, but not, not nothing, nothing right home about for sure. Uh, what is your bad performance of the week? Pierce? My bad is the former 14th ranked uh, Wisconsin Badgers. I mean, listen, this team didn't start out great. Uh, you know, thought Grant Mertz had a, had a chance to be the leader of this team to, to, to take them to new heights. Last year, this year, he came out, thought they were going to get back to running the football more. They struggled early, lost a few games, have really been on a roll, though. Braylon Allen obviously has unlocked, uh, you know, Wisconsin offensive old. Um, with the pound the rock, pound the rock with a big physical bruiser. And then like, you know, some some play action passes and, and key moments, uh, you know, take over. And they fought their way back. I mean, give them credit to to have a chance to go to the Big Ten Championship. But man, you can't go out and, and fail to score an offensive touchdown in a game against a team that you're supposed to beat. And you and quite 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 simply put, you gotta beat them to get into the Big Ten Championship. Give your team, I mean, you're you're so motivated to lay an egg like that. They did get one defensive touchdown on the pick six, but boy, not a great performance from them. I really was hoping for more. Uh, so you know, not 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 the most ugly performance of the day, but simply not a good performance from the Wisconsin Badgers. Wanted more and expected more out of them. Really thought that they had a great chance of getting back to the Big Ten Championship. But boy, they uh, you know, they've got some they've got some good pieces there, specifically with Braylon Allen. But you know, they, they continue to lay eggs, and that's just not going to get it done. So Wisconsin Badgers are my bad performance of the week. All right, last but not least, Pierce, ugly performances of the week. I have <laughs> – this is going to be short and sweet. Uh, I have received endless ribbing about this. People will not shut up and stop texting me about it. Um, they bring it up in person. Uh, I've gotten Instagram tags. And that would be the FSU Seminoles. Not only did the Florida State Seminoles, my Florida State Seminoles that I uh, attended college there – uh, lose the game to rival Florida yet again for, I don't even know, four or five years, maybe not at this point. Um, definitely haven't won since Jimbo's been gone. Not only did they lose, but the way it ended, Pierce. Florida State drives down. They are going to attempt an onside kick, and the kicker whiffs. Whiffs, just totally whiffs at the ball. And because it knocked off of the tee, 
they called it a uh, – he attempted the kick or something like that. Um, at this point, I was so disgusted, I had turned the game off. So I didn't witness it in real time. But again, I feel like I was there with how many people have texted me about it and told me about it. <sighs> it stinks because they had a chance to go from 0-4 to start the season to being bowl eligible. That obviously did not come to fruition. I don't really know how I feel about how Florida State's season went down, ultimately. I do like the fact that they rallied and were able to put some things together. I'm a little bit nervous now about how the recruiting class goes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to give up on Mike Norvell. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I, I think that at, at this day and age, I think the, the teams that start giving their coaches a chance to win are the ones that are in power. Um, and I don't think Florida State can can sustain their buyout. But all in all, just just really pathetic <laughs> display on uh, on uh, Saturday, um, and, and not great from the Gators either. To be fair, it wasn't great from them either. But uh, all in all, that that last play was just something that's going to live in infamy forever, and I'm never going to stop hearing the end of it. So that's the ugly performance of the week, I guess, would just be be me having to be a fan of FSU because it's um, it's just the laughing stock of the college football world yet again, yet again. And, and Saturday was another instance of that. Um, all right, Pierce, what was your ugly performance of the week? Man, this is going to feel, feel, this might be a little wrong to some people uh, because I'm piling on a, a bad team. So this is no surprise at their performance, but my bad or my ugly of the week is Stanford Cardinal. I mean, listen, I, okay. They got three wins, but Oh, how fall this team has fallen. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how they, they went from, you know, consistently to seven, eight, nine, ten win seasons and now they're in the bottom of the pack 12 david shaw's still at the helm it looks like they have no intention of getting rid of them you know the, the they, they they got blown out the last four games of the season uh and and one of their only three wins was against vanderbilt um this this team i, I don't know what they're doing obviously i know the standard out there will be a little bit different than most programs being a school first uh you know football second type of school um, but I, I'm, I'm surprised at how far they've fallen and just, you know, they just show, show no signs of life. Listen, I know Notre Dame's a solid club, a solid, a solid team, but man, just, they, they, they were dead dogs from the beginning and, and, and it's just, it's not a good situation, um, out there in Palo Alto. So we'll see where Stanford goes from here, but they are my ugly performers of the week. Cause it was, uh, it was a disgusting showing from them this week against the uh, fighting Irish who they should have uh, some hate for. So. Uh, clearly they've got some rebuilding to do. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. It will be interesting to see how much longer David Shaw is the uh, head ball coach at Stanford. Um, you know, it's never a place that you're necessarily going to, you expect to be perennial playoff contenders, but they were doing pretty well under Harbaugh and, uh, it's been a struggle ever since. So, uh, will be interesting to see where they're able to go from here. If they're able to, ever get back into a contention in the Pac-12 North. All right, that does it for our good, bad, and ugly. Now, of course, is the time that we turn our attention to the individual players that played the game on Saturday, and it is time for our braggers of the week. Man, first and foremost, uh, a couple came from the the game, uh, I should say, as I say that in quotes, the game. Uh, first and foremost, Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end for Michigan, the, the dude was a man possessed out there and, and absolutely disrupted Ohio State from the get-go and, and did it the entire game, five tackles, two assisted, three sacks on the play. It, it wasn't just him, but he was clearly the standout performer. 
had a lot of help. Ajabo, obviously on the outside, um, his counterpart there on the edges, uh, could have been named. They they played well in the back end, but Hutchinson gets my um, my bragger of the week from this Michigan defense. Uh, next up, Hassan Haskins, flip side of for Michigan, running back, twenty eight carries for one hundred sixty nine yards, five TDs workhorse like performance you know you knew he was going to have to have a herculean performance they did get Blake Corum back which helped a lot he he did have a good game too but Haskins was the guy from the get-go and just absolutely ran all over this Buckeyes team um next up another running back Brees Hall uh running back out of Iowa State 18 carries for 242 yards three TDs on the ground also tallied two catches for 39 yards and a touchdown um, he did break a set or set a couple of records for Iowa State on the day against TCU. So Brees Hall had a very, very bragger like uh, performance on Saturday or on, on Friday. Excuse me. Tyler Van Dyke, QB. Got to give a shout out to the QBs. Man, this kid's come in and really performed well for Miami. Turned the season around for Manny Diaz and company going 34-49 through the air for 381 yards with three TDs. He's been putting up performances like that all season ever since he was inserted in, as a starter down there in Coral Gables. So Tyler Van Dyke, he's a consistent performer, and he uh, he shows up in here quite frequently. Jure Jenkins, I think I'm getting that right. Jure Jenkins, wide receiver from LSU, eight, eight receptions for 169 yards, two touchdowns. Um, LSU gets a big upset against AM uh, to to send Coach O off, uh, you know, with a with a big time win and send him off into the rafters potentially there in Baton Rouge. Another receiver, Sky Moore, Western Michigan, 12 catches for 206 yards and four TDs. A ridiculous performance that he put up. Um, gotta give it to another receiver, Old Dominion's Allie Jennings. Nine catches, get this, 252 yards on the day, three TDs. And last but not least, Tayon Sleep Davis, running back from Maryland, 18 carries for 152 yards, an 8.4 average with two touchdowns, also tallied two catches for 33 yards um, as Maryland routes Rutgers. And those are my braggers of the final week of the season. It's a shame it's come, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's at its end, but boy, we've had some good braggers this season. We have, uh, we have had quite the run as well this season. It's not over yet. A lot of football still to be played. But uh, a lot of teams, this was the end of the line, and uh, you know some of these players will start opting out and things of that nature. So a lot of good uh, careers, college careers, also coming to a close with the end of the season wrapping up as well. So um, you know, I'm I'm interested to see where we go from here, uh, where where the, everything lands. This is the most fun part, and also the uh, the saddest part, because with each bowl game that picks or ticks away, I should say the closer and closer we get to the clock striking zero on the college football season. So um, we will obviously be here for you. Uh, uh, well, I should say we'll have more for you over on the Bragging Rights podcast. If you're not plugged in there, you need to be subscribed so that you can listen to us uh, break down all of the bowl action, coverage championships, uh, playoffs, things of that nature. You can also follow us on social media at Bragging Pod. That's bragging without the G, Bragging Pod. Um, the boys will be back. Knox, Jason, and Andre will be back with the regular episode and uh, Drop and Buffs will be back as well if you are into all of the survivor uh things a lot of fun things happening over here on over underachievers podcast so make sure you're plugged into everything coming down the pike all right we will uh we'll be back later on with a preview over on uh bragging rights so make sure you're plugged in but until then i'm madison and i'm pierce stay blessed y'all